guys. Welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey, Jeff, if you bought Tesla stock instead of Bitcoin in 2014, how many rocket ships would you have? Um, it just depends. Are they going to blow up on landing? or? <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, only if they're Elon Musk-owned companies. Uh, today, we're talking about Tesla, which a lot of you probably know, but they're an electrical vehicle and clean energy company. Yeah. So um, as, as Jeff said, Tesla makes a whole assortment of products. In today's episode, we're really going to dive into Tesla as a car company and looking at some of the products that they've had over the years. They definitely had an interesting you know, suite of products. I think the five that we'll talk about in this episode are the Tesla Roadster, which is one of their first uh, cars that they ever created. And so the Tesla Roadster was actually a high-end sports car. It retailed for about $100,000 to $130,000 and really just trying to make a proof of concept that electric cars could actually be really cool and also really fast and have all the performance and range that you needed. Since then, they've also created the Model S, the Model 3, X, and Y, which actually, when Elon Musk came out with this, he tried to spell sexy, (laughs) S-E-X-Y, but he couldn't get the Model E for some reason, so they made the Model 3 and E. So if you look at all of it, it looks like sexy, which I think is a little fun factoid for the audience. Some of the features that you know Tesla has built out over the years for their electrical ve- electric vehicles, uh, it ranges from electric vehicle charging stations. So they actually have uh, supercharger stations all throughout the country that Tesla invested in uh, really as a proof point to, you know, the doubters for electric vehicles to say, oh, you know, I could never go on that, you know, American dream road trip where I'm going all the way across country. And Elon Musk said, well, let's just build charging stations and make your car being able to be charged in, you know, a ridiculous amount of time, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. Another feature that Tesla helped roll out was uh, a whole new way of actually selling these vehicles. So they actually have showrooms. I remember going to my first showroom, Jeff, I don't know if you remember this, like it's probably like five, six years ago in 2015, 2016, when they really started becoming prevalent in shopping malls. Um, but yeah. they just had like a car, like a, a Tesla Model S uh, that was put into the middle of this shopping mall at a Tesla showroom that you could sit in, you could see how it felt and there was people there, but you couldn't actually buy a car there which is like the weirdest thing. I mean, <laughs> you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't test drive it. You couldn't buy a car like you normally would. You could order it, you know, put down your, you know, X dollar deposit and then it would ship months and months later. I don't remember that particular instance, but I do remember, maybe it's because I'm in the Bay Area, but I remember like Tesla dealerships popping up in a couple different locations and usually in kind of the bougier areas. And this might not have been right when the Roadster came out, it might've been more towards like the S and the three when they started ramping up that production. But you see them in like really nice shopping malls next to really big shopping centers where all of your high-end restaurants and, and boutique shops are. Like that's where you typically see some of the Tesla dealerships. But now, I mean, they're kind of everywhere, right? right? Like totally. Um, I think you're, you're seeing a lot more Tesla dealerships kind of pop up all throughout the US. And most of it has to do with the fact that uh, the infrastructure is now supporting EV vehicles across across the board. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, some of the other features that Tesla has kind of shepherded in, they've had a really big product focus on just making a really kick-ass electric vehicle. So some of the features that they have that I think are really cool are autopilot and also full self-driving or, or FSD mode, where it will actually be fully autonomous, which is really, really interesting uh, that we're getting to that level of <laughs> self-driving electric mm-hmm. cars. The future almost feels now. One of my favorite factoids about Tesla, especially specifically the Model S, is that they were so obsessed with making sure it was a safe vehicle because there was a lot of concerns about, hey, if I got into a car accident, what would happen with 
the battery, would it catch on fire? Would something really terrible happen? So Tesla definitely put a lot of engineering into this vehicle to make the Model S a very safe vehicle. And when the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration tested Tesla Model S, it actually rated a 5.4 out of 5. So it was actually like a higher than their, you know, traditional ratings that they've seen. It was one of the, you know, best cars that they've ever tested, which is, you know, fascinating that they were able to get to that level of safety engineering into a vehicle. What was their justification for going over their rating scale? Do you know? So I think that in the NHTSA test, the actual testing machine for testing objects that would fall onto uh, like the roof, for example, it actually broke before it was able to crush the cabin. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so it's like edge cases like that where like you're, yeah. the car is so well built that it's breaking the testing equipment, <laughs> yeah. which is hilarious. Wow, that's funny. So they have to like, um, then they had to change their scale, actually. <laughs> exactly. So something's broken. And, you know, another feature that they've been able to just shepherd through all of their different vehicles, a lot of this has to do with the electric vehicle motors and just the power curves of electric motors. They're just insanely fast and quick to accelerate because you're getting uh, torque and power as soon as you turn the motor on. You don't have to to, to wait. Um, it's kind of like if you step on the gas in a gas car, uh, just like the physics of an internal combustion engine, it's going to have a little bit of lag time. Yep. You can do things like you know turbocharge it or supercharge it to reduce that lag time, but you're going to have that just inherently in a, a traditional gasoline engine. Uh, but with an electric motor, you get... you turn whatever power switch. you need on yeah. it's, it, it's on yeah. i think they've done a good job of naming some of these features you know they have uh ludicrous mode <laughs> as well as insane mode on some of their model s's <laughs> um which are great awesome names for basically just unlocking you know additional power so if you want to go to you know zero to 60 in less than three seconds um that's just a crazy you know ludicrous mode that you can hit and th those times are just mind-blowing to me i remember growing up as a young kid and my dad would always get like the road and track you know car and driver magazines mm -hmm. and my favorite thing to do in those magazines was to open them up and go right to the back and just look for the fastest car look for the car that had the most acceleration and the acceleration times this is like 15 years ago they were like you know three and a half four seconds was a great yeah. 60 time and the fact yeah. that you can buy like a you know a seventy thousand dollar car <laughs> that blows that out of the water is right. insane to me yeah yeah the price points are, are completely different and you're right because it's electric powered and you don't have to wait for the combustion to happen and for the engine to kind of go through the motions before you kind of ramp up to that speed and accelerate it does make it more achievable and i think that probably has a lot to do with electric batteries how far they've come since you know maybe even like 10 years ago right like there had to have been a lot of work to be done with electric batteries. Funnily enough, in undergrad, we did a project on hybrid airplanes and whether or not we could develop a hybrid airplane that used a mix of uh, fuel and electricity. And the problem with at least aircraft travel with electric batteries is that what happens with electric batteries as you deplete the batteries is that battery weight maintains on board. So then you're holding dead weight for yep. part of the flight. Whereas traditionally with a jet engine, the reason why you can get really good range is when you're burning fuel, your plane becomes lighter and because your plane becomes lighter you're more efficient as you fly so it's kind of this like compounding effect as you fly longer and longer ranges that you don't totally. really get with electric batteries right the weight doesn't really change with electric batteries so they have to be so power dense for you to overcome the weight that you have to generate lift for as you're as you're flying so it's a di slightly different problem uh, especially here on the ground like the safety issues aren't, <laughs> aren't the same but it, it's still like you're, you're carrying dead weight so 
I think Teslas are, aren't they one of the lightest cars too, like in terms of chassis? So it's, it's impressive that they're so strong. Definitely. I think they had to make the car a lot lighter in other areas so that they could actually perform well, um, given that they have to carry a load of battery regardless of charge. Like it's always going to be this dead weight. Yeah. I don't know if it's one of the latest cars, but I do know it has like one of the lowest centers of mass. Mm. So the Model X is a SUV, for example, mm-hmm. and it's insanely... Uh, and by center of mass, I mean it's super heavy on the bottom, and yeah. it's very, very difficult to tip to over mm-hmm. and flip a, a Tesla. Um, and that's because they you've got hundreds of pounds of batteries, you know, just sitting like yeah. as low, low, low to the ground. So I think it's just fascinating. I think I've seen a couple of videos uh, of just, and it definitely like our, I highly suggest our audience that you know just do a quick YouTube search of like uh, Tesla cornering tests just to see it like. You know, these engineers in race, racing suits <laughs> trying to flip Teslas. Um, but yeah, I think the, the mad point there is just a ton of engineering and effort has gone into developing these really interesting and fascinating cars. Um, so switching gears to their business model, which I think is is interesting and also super brilliant. If we think about like the Tesla Roadster coming out um, over a decade ago, there was a huge fear of range anxiety customers were just super afraid that, you know, I'm going to buy an electric car and I'm going to go like 20 miles. Like, how is that useful to me? So what Elon Musk did is like, you know, he's like, you know, I know that we can build something that's going to be able to go farther than that. And it's going to be able to go 100 to 200 miles. Um, So the only way to do that, though, is like it's going to require a lot of money in a a car. So let's just build a sports car. Yeah, let's like let's break all those barriers and just go for a super premium uh, car and be able to have like the enough margin to be able to build a vehicle that mm-hmm. accelerates fast, looks beautiful, and also um, it has enough range so people aren't panicking. Then once they found success with the Tesla Roadster, they launched the Model S. Um, and so the Model S, the target segment that they were going after was really, you know, the ultra premium, I'll call it, almost like... Yeah. Uh, like a, a BMWs, bit, uh, exactly, level. exactly. Yeah. Like I'm thinking, like think anywhere from like eighty grand to one hundred and twenty grand. Like if you're spending that much money on a car, like you definitely like want luxury. You want to have all the features, and so they built you know the Model S for that segment. The next car, and this all has to do like you kind of touched on it earlier, Jeff, with like the uh, the battery technology is like to be able to you know drop the price of batteries like dramatically. You, in order to drop the price of batteries dramatically, Tesla needed to scale like crazy. Like they just needed to be able to make batteries super cheaply by just creating a ton of demand for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the next segment that Tesla went after was the mass market electric vehicles. So that was with the Model 3. So it's still like pretty expensive for a mass market vehicle, but it's still uh, coming down in price. With, yeah. with the Model 3 is like... You know, you can get one for like 40 to 60 grand, that type of range, depending on your features. Yeah. Um, I think it opened I'm, at 30 something. It was really, really affordable. Um, yeah, totally. And, and like, again, Elon's long-term vision was to make EVs accessible for a ton of different people. And it wasn't to sell the Roadster, right? So like people look at the Roadster and they're like, this is really cool. But, you know, they end up life the Roadster, even though it was a pretty successful car and was really expensive because the long-term vision was to be able to put EVs in every household. Not that Tesla is necessarily going to be the vehicle that everyone's going to own in however many years, uh, because there's enough competition now that everybody's moving towards EVs. So we'll talk about that a little bit in, during the competition segment. But I really wanted to, you know, put a spotlight on it because, you know, even though not everyone can afford a Tesla or maybe Tesla's not their cup of tea, 
it did cause the industry to really shift towards EVs. And, you know, there's a lot of regulators now talking about ending gas vehicles, gas powered vehicles by, you know, specific dates. So it's good that it's good that this happened for sure. Totally. And I think it was kind of brilliant to just, you know, um, really just focus on the segments of vehicles where you could actually be competitive from a price perspective, you know, mm-hmm. with like a, yeah. a sports car or like a, a super luxury car and even like the the Model 3. I think like my favorite part about the Tesla business model was actually how they raised money. So when the Model 3 came out, they did a teaser announce a couple years before it went into mass production and you could reserve a car like months, if not years in advance. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you, you had to drop like a thousand dollars. I know my, like one of my cousins did this, um, you know, he reserved, sp- put a thousand dollars down and got a car like a year and a half later. They were able to raise like millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars doing this, which is a great way for you to raise capital and also start building factories and and have that investment. Um, super risky because like if Tesla goes bankrupt, you know, what, what happens to like all those thousand dollars, like do you get it back? But I think people were so excited that they could have like the accessible price of, you know, uh, like $35,000, $40,000 after rebates to, to have a car. I thought it was absolutely brilliant way to um, to raise money. Yeah, especially because it's like almost like Kickstartery, like um, crowdfundery, where you know you put some money down and then they know how much to build depending on the demand. And I remember hearing about like college kids like graduating that had like a thousand dollars to spare. Not that many college kids have that money to spare. Uh, maybe they didn't have it to spare, but <laughs> they shouldn't have put it down. But they did to lock in a Model Three, knowing that you know maybe in two or three years I'll save enough money. And I think you can cancel at any time. Um, it's just a reservation. So that was, you know, there's really no drawbacks to putting money down. I really thought of, about putting down a reservation as well. And I think what happened was they probably held your spot because I remember the rollouts for the Model 3 were a big deal. You know, some people got their cars earlier and, you know, the earlier you reserved, the earlier you got your car. So you wanted to get it as early as possible. And um, so that's why you didn't really, really want to like lose your place in line, if you will. Totally. Uh, and you wanted to put your money down as a reservation. I'd love to switch gears and talk. We're using switch gears a lot today because we're talking about Tesla, but um, (laughs) I want to talk about the history of the product and history of Tesla. So Tesla was founded in 2003, of course, by Elon Musk. I think everybody on the show probably knows who Elon Musk is. And Elon Musk is, has dabbled in a a ton of different companies, of course, but was founded by Elon Musk previously of PayPal. That's I think where he probably generated his initial source of wealth was by founding and then selling uh, PayPal. I, I, I guess they sold it. I'm not sure exactly um, what happened. Yeah, I think he had a company called X.com that merged with PayPal. Right. And then then PayPal was sold to, to eBay. And I think that's when he jettisoned. Yeah, um, it's, it's hard, but yeah. he was all over the place. Like with like Tesla and SpaceX were almost running concurrently. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say he he made out with like a hundred something million dollars, um, which like is a significant amount of money, obviously. But compared to like what he has now is pretty, pretty small. Um, so of course the name Tesla, initially the company was called Tesla Motors, which was a tribute to uh, Nikola Tesla, which if you're not familiar with kind of history of science was kind of the, I guess like European counter to Thomas Edison. And in a lot of ways, like Thomas Edison stole a lot of, uh, (laughs) like inventions from Nikola Tesla. Now that, you know, historians have kind of looked back, even though Edison got a lot of fame and, and credit for it, Tesla was kind of like the, the true scientist that, uh, figured everything out and and um and is now being heralded as more of a scientific hero. Um, I think my favorite story there is when uh like Edison h- hired Tesla 
And, you know, Tesla was uh, European, took everything like very literally. And uh, Edison said something like, um, I'll give you $50,000 if you can invent a better motor. And that's exactly what Tesla did. <laughs> um, like, and then like, he went to Edison, uh, Tesla went to Edison and said, hey, like, can I get Where's my money? My, yeah. And Edison's like, you don't understand American humor. <laughs> so yeah. th- things like that were like Edison obviously like should have like made good on that. Um, right. And kind of like a huge ass. But um, yeah, Tesla, I think it's a shame because like, I think he like he definitely died super poor and uh, wasn't remembered until now he's forever enshrined in memes and Tesla. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely it's definitely posthumously getting that fame, which it is unfortunate because it should have happened while he was alive. Um, the original CEO of Tesla Motors was Martin Eberhard, which was obviously replaced by Musk in 2008. Musk took on a more active role as CEO. Um, and then they IPO'd in June of 2010. They, to date, have raised $20 billion in total funding, um, a good portion of which was post-IPO debt. So a lot of it was not for the, the company, but it's really to reconsolidate a lot of debt. And if you remember, actually, Tesla had some years of trouble um, as they were scaling because you know, they, they needed to really get to the point of economies of scale. I mean, you look at the other big automakers, they do have like large manufacturing facilities and Tesla didn't have that. Um, eventually, they obviously built their Fremont factory. And then now they're moving over to another factory in um, Nevada, I believe. And they're talking about opening one in Texas. So there's always talks about opening up all these other gigafactories. The Tesla Roadster, as Mike mentioned, was you know initially launched to just generate interest, but still with a long-term goal of affordable electric cars for the masses. But they stopped producing it, obviously, now. Um, the Model S came out in 2010. So that was their first really foray into more mass-produced cars. In 2015, they launched the Powerwall and the Power Pack. If you're not familiar with that, because the folks at home might not know what those are, it's essentially a, a backup battery that you can place in your home. And it can also use to like charge your car, of course. But it's just like meant to... Uh, supplement the power that you have at home. Think of it like a generator, but it's a battery pack. So that same battery pack technology that they're using for the cars, um, they're trying to make a similar home substitute. And again, it's helping them uh, to generate um, more interest in these batteries, build batteries for other use cases, but also allowing them to produce batteries at scale. So that's kind of part of the mission there. And I, I believe that they also run deals if you like purchase a, a vehicle plus like a power wall or power pack, like they'll give you some like kickback or stipend or something but it's like really small <laughs> that's the craziest bundle like in terms of like like si- like size like finance like dollar size yeah, bundle yeah. that i could imagine you know it's like like oh like you know buy a model s and a power wall you know for only 120 right. grand you, yeah. you know it's like i will throw in the full self-driving for free instead of for 10 grand yeah exactly yeah i think the power wall runs like 10 or 15 grand and depending on the size of your home you might need two of them so it's it's not not cheap at all um, but you know, obviously if you can afford it, some people do like to have backup generators in their house if they, um, you know, if they're really big Tesla fanatics. Totally. I, I think the, just a quick like tangent on the battery storage, I think it's going to be a huge market, especially as we have electric vehicles that are super prevalent and we start to transition to, um, renewable energies. Uh, and you know, just with renewable energy, you know, you're only going to get power when the sun's shining or the, the wind is blowing. If you're looking at wind and solar, a mass adaption of massive batteries is a great way to basically store all that energy, um, and use it at a later time. Um, and even just for helping to normalize like the grid, 
Um, and if you look at the electric grid, like when everyone turns on their electric, uh, their electricity, when it's like 80 degrees and you have air conditioning in California, that's a ton of energy and it's a huge spike load. And the way that utilities today deal with that spike load is with turning on these gas powered plants. So having these batteries is a really interesting way where imagine if you're charging your power wall at night and you're now like, you know, PG&E is going to charge you three times more for your electricity. You can avoid that by just having the power wall turn on and power your home. So we won't go into it in this episode, but there's a huge like burgeoning market that's uh, I think Tesla's really well poised to, to capture. Yeah. I think California weirdly is like a really good test bed for all this. Obviously, you know, the Bay Area in California has a really great appetite for new technologies. Um, and, and that's why Tesla was so popular in California. You, you rarely saw Tesla outside of California for some time. And if you did, people would kind of run up to you and ask, like, how did you get that car? And uh, <laughs> But now, you know, they're obviously a lot more prevalent across other metropolitan areas or kind of um, people are buying them across state lines and things like that. But with the power wall and the power pack, you know, California um, has what's called the Mediterranean climate. And essentially what happens is we have these wildfires year over year because it rains a lot in the in the winter season. So that's what we call winter is just a little bit of rain. There's rampant growth in forests and things like that. And then it gets dry. And so pretty much hot days um, can cause small forest fires. You know, obviously sometime it's caused by unfortunate things like gender reveals and stupid stuff like that. But um, the worst. Sometimes what happens is um, due to the forest fires and some of the smoke, they are shutting down some power plants and doing, you know, rolling blackouts for some communities just for the safety of the power lines and things like that. And so the power wall and the power pack become more attractive to you because, you know, if you expect that this might happen, um, then you might consider putting this in your house so that you don't really have that interruption of service to your home instead of like buying like a small gas power generator just to like run your refrigerator for a few days, you can still like kind of live a normal life. Uh, for the couple totally. days of the year that you have a power wall or power pack. And I mean, it's March of 2021 right now. And I think like three weeks ago, like the Texas area just had freak ice and snowstorms that really took out the power grid there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I saw so many different stories about Tesla owners, you know, going into their cars to, to, to stay warm, which is is crazy. And also, like, I imagine if you have a power wall or power pack, it is super attractive where you don't have to sacrifice your lifestyle if the amongst the the changing electric grid. A, a, another like fun product anecdote with the wildfires. I actually never thought I would say that in a sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> is uh, Tesla has something called the bioweapon defense mode, which uses powerful filtration to get the interior air quality of either your Model X or Model S to you know quote unquote hospital grade according to Tesla. Oh, wow. So yeah. I know that people um you know were actually like living out of their cars during like the wildfires because or living out of their Teslas because they were getting that premium air filtration mode. I have a couple more um anecdotes too around the wildfires in a second. But yeah, in twenty fifteen the Model X was released. So as Mike mentioned, that's a larger SUV version. And so now they have the S and the X at this point and they're generating these power walls and power packs. So you know they're starting to scale their operations a bit more and you know because they can drive costs down they can start thinking about more affordable teslas they opened their tesla factory in fremont california in 2010 that cost them 42 million dollars in 2017 the model 3 became available for people to purchase or at least reserve and then in 2020 the model y recently came out which is kind of like a crossover although i have trouble figuring out whether or not uh it's a a model y or a model x sometimes like totally it's really hard for me to tell but um, I've heard that the Model Y, considering the price point, is like 
a really, really good alternative if you're looking for something like the Model 3, um, paying a little bit more and then getting a lot more foot space and foot room. I've really, I've actually considered getting a Model 3 or, or a Model Y in the coming years, but you know, that's something for future Jeff to worry about. Um, <laughs> in 2021, they're anticipating the launch of their Cybertruck, which came with a lot of fanfare. There was a release of the Cybertruck and it looked like something out of some sci-fi movie and there's like people love and hate the Cybertruck because there's a lot of aggressive angles on the exterior body, supposedly to make it more aerodynamic. Uh, and it's like their first, first foray into creating an EV truck. Um, but then there's also other truck companies like we'll talk about Rivian in a little bit. And of course, Ford, they're thinking about trucks in general. Lastly, in terms of like their business stuff, uh, they acquired Solar City in 2016, which is, is a solar panel company, I believe, um, here in the Bay Area. And they later changed their name away from Tesla Motors to just Tesla because they're now not just a automotive company, but they are an alternative energy company. And I wanted to talk about a couple more things. So one, Tesla hasn't always been in the news for good stuff. There was a case of a man, I forgot what year it was, but his Tesla vehicle using autopilot drove right into a semi-truck, a white semi-truck, because it couldn't detect the semi-truck in the sunlight, which is really, really unfortunate. I think it was probably the first Tesla-blamed death that happened. And there's obviously a lot of conversations around regulations about Tesla and whether or not people can safely drive Tesla on full automatic mode. Um, there were cases of people driving Tesla asleep at the wheel. You know, they were drunk and asleep at the wheel and Tesla was driving them home. So there's a lot of ethical questions around should they be driving? Uh, obviously, they probably should have gotten an Uber, but is this a safe alternative considering it's better than him drinking and driving? So there's kind of this weird in between from that perspective. Oh, and the wildfires. So um, another note about the wildfires, a lot of Teslas have longer range that they can actually access with their Tesla batteries, but Tesla typically leaves a little bit of battery capacity room for emergencies. What's cool about Tesla is if, you know, they have this over the air updates, right? So basically your car updates like your phone might. Um, when you park it in your garage and you have Wi-Fi access and you wake up the next morning, Tesla might've made some additional changes to your vehicle so that it can drive more efficiently. I think um, one of the more famous ones was people woke up and they said, oh, your battery now has 10% better efficiency. So you can go X miles more, which is really awesome. Your your old cars can't do that. They can't just all of a, all of a sudden get more MPGs. But during totally. the wildfires, people were trying to drive away and drive longer range to visit friends and family and stay longer ranges. And what Tesla did was they unlocked some of the higher mileages so that they can go longer without having to charge at any charging station. So it was kind of like a, a courtesy thing for Tesla owners. So that's like one of those small quality of life things that Tesla can do that like your old school like Honda Accord can't do. Like they can't be like, oh, all of a sudden you're going to get you know more gas for your for your mileage or whatever, but it's something that's really neat that Tesla was able to accomplish. Yeah, no, and, and definitely like, you know, putting like my like product hat on and also engineering hat on, you know, I think part of the reason why Tesla's made the decision to make it so over-engineered from a hardware perspective is because it's also a software product mm -hmm. where just like to your point, Jeff, like we can put, or Tesla can just push a software update. I know the other time they pushed a big software update was when there were safety issues because like the, the car would hit a bump and then uh, it would scrape the bottom, potentially causing a fire. So they're actually able to push a software update that retuned the suspension. Um, so it was basically firmer and reduced the, the, the risk of um, fires. Yeah, I think they rode a little higher too, right? Um, exactly. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. It's insane, right? Like what car, yeah. like, you know, if you had to do that, it would be a recall, right? Like any other major automaker, they would have a, a massive recall. And, you know, on the one hand, it's really great for the consumer, like to have that service at hand at your fingertips and, 
you don't have to bring your car back into a shop and worry about getting a rental for the day or whatever. But from the Tesla perspective, it makes a lot of sense too. By not having the recall, uh, they don't have to spend you know millions of dollars to go and pay these individual shops to fix your car to the specs of the recall. They can just kind of tune it on the fly, which is really, really awesome. Yeah, it, it's just wild to think about like all of like the different like uh, innovations that Tesla is, is coming at. Um, I think like the, the other one that I'm interested for that we didn't really touch on is the semi truck and the trucking business, not just from like a fuel efficiency perspective, right, like yeah. be, being able to have the Tesla semi just go leaps and bounds from in terms of efficiency, but also for full self-driving. Uh, I think that is going to be a really interesting, um, you know, business model, like for, for companies that are able to, even if you're going slower at like, you know, 45 miles an hour, if your trucks are running 24 seven, that's a lot better than having them run 18 hours a day, let's say, um, at 65 miles an hour. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be really interested. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about, you know, who Tesla's for. And I think, um, we kind of touched on it with their customer segmentation and that's with their S3 XY uh, model where it's, you know, they're going after the super premium and then they're going starting to lower that and get more towards the masses. And this is a pretty common strategy in, in the car industry. I think if you look at, you know, General Motors, and I, I believe, I think we've talked about this before, GM has tons of different brands. You know, you have mm-hmm. Buick, you have Chevy, GMC, Cadillac, and they're all essentially the same car with a little bit of re-engineering the skin, maybe adding some different bells and whistles on the interior to get it, to get a Cadillac to, to look like a, a premium car, but it's essentially the same, but you're able to use these different brands to attract um, different customers, which I think is interesting. I and mean, I think they've done a really good job of that with going from the Roadster all the way to the Model 3. And then even if they start launching to different areas like semis, like going into that, but just like purely looking at car sales and what this segment looks like, the size of this segment looks like for, for Tesla. According to Statista, it's about 4.7 million vehicles were sold in 2019. And these are new vehicle sales. And this was in 2020, there's a huge uh, sell-off uh, or drop-off from that to 3.4 million cars. Mm. I, I think 2021, we're definitely going to see a spike as people start to take road trips again. Yeah. And they're not quarantining. But it's, it's just a really large um opportunity for tesla to start and i think we've seen that you know with the, the markets they've seen that as well with tesla's uh, stock price just absolutely skyrocketing over the past few years so if you're looking at like who tesla is for i think you know if in over the past 10 years it's definitely been more the early adopters that are higher income but it's starting to come down to more of the masses so i'm excited to see like if we're if tesla's going to come out with that you know truly mass market you know maybe sub twenty thousand dollar car that is able to get you know, into the hundreds of thousands of sales per year, if not millions of sales. Yeah, I think like talking about car sales um, in the market overall, it, it makes sense to talk about who else is in those markets. So of course, like Tesla is competing with some of the other folks um, in the industry, not only from traditional automakers, but obviously, you know, these up and coming EV companies. So first, I want to talk about hybrid vehicles, because that's where I think most people understood or started to use battery powered cars with vehicles like the Toyota Prius and the Nissan Leaf. I remember the Prius was kind of made fun of for a really long time because, you know, it's kind of lame looking and people, you know, really didn't think that it was worth driving a Prius. But then people were like, hey, look at my, you know, gas bill. It's like half the price of what other people are paying. So, you know, there is some benefit to driving a Toyota Prius, but Tesla sought out to make it not only effective, but also attractive to drive a a Tesla vehicle. You look at legacy automakers like Ford, for example, Ford this year is coming out with their uh, Mustang Mach-E, taking one of their very, very well-known brands and making it a full EV vehicle is a really, really strong play. There is obviously other 
companies like Kia and Hyundai, etc., that are you know obviously trying to make their own EV vehicles and be competitive in the space. BMW is doing it. You know, other luxury brands are doing it. So like, I think all car makers are looking at EV in some way, shape, or form, and it's just going to drive the competition forward. And you're going to see a lot of people, not just Tesla, but a lot of other companies, start to. Uh, utilize the expanded infrastructure of things like charging centers and things like that. I totally agree. I feel like if you're a car manufacturer without an EV strategy, you're you're not going to be, exactly, you're not going to be a car (laughs) manufacturer for a while. Right, right. Yeah, it's just stubborn, right? I think it reminds me of like Polaroid, (laughs) like saying like, (laughs) oh, who would want digital cameras or whatever, or Kodak or, you know, whoever the companies are, Blockbuster, etc. You know, it's kind of adapt or die. And then lastly, there's obviously the EV first companies. There's companies like Rivian, who I talked about before, they're generating an EV truck, which a lot of people think looks a lot better than the Cybertruck that's coming out in 2021 this year. Rivian's actually now a Ford subsidiary. So at some point, Ford had acquired Rivian. Uh, There's Lucid Motors, there's Fisker, which is they create like a higher brand, higher price point vehicle that's supposed to be a luxury vehicle. Fun fact, if you're a Childish Gambino fan, there's a song by (laughs) him uh, called Sweatpants, where he says, he talks about like Fisker's. He, he says, like, Fiskers, room vroom. And then he says, like, oh, actually, Fiskers don't make noise when they start up. <laughs> and it's just, like, an allusion to the fact that it's an EV vehicle. And people don't realize that if they don't own a Fisker or know what a Fisker is. Uh, but totally. I, I thought that was kind of funny. No, I, I definitely love that a- anecdote. Let's let's go into our thoughts about Tesla. And I'm happy to start. So I think Tesla, what they're doing here is really, really impactful. I mean, obviously, it's a movement. Um, there are a lot of people that originally bought Tesla because they wanted to buy a unique car. And at first it was meant for the elite and it was unaffordable and it looked really sleek. And it was kind of a status symbol to have a Tesla, but you're seeing that um, it's starting to become more and more affordable and it's becoming a bit more of a mainstream vehicle. I'll be at the volume of Tesla manufacturing and sales are still a fraction of what the other automakers are, um, but you're seeing them kind of push into the space and really cause all these other industries to, to start changing their strategy and start developing EVs. One from a competitive perspective. And two, there's a regulatory pressure as well with us nearing the end of any new gas vehicles. And I don't remember the year 2030, I think. I think that's for California. But yeah, so overall, um, I think Tesla now is starting to approach that very affordable pricing point. You know, I have looked at purchasing a, a Model 3 or a Model Y. I think it's a, a very affordable price point. I think you get a lot for your money um, totally. compared to other vehicles in its class. And being in California, the infrastructure of charging stations doesn't scare me because there's plenty of them around. Now, if I was in a, another state that didn't have as many charging stations, I would be a little bit more concerned. Um, but the overall strategy is to not only build the printer in this case, which is the car, but also you know be the ink supplier, if you will, by generating the power banks, generating the solar panels, and also generating the charging stations. I think that's a really, really sound strategy. And they're shifting themselves from a vehicle company to a alternate energy company. I think you can't knock Tesla on any of its customer experience. I mean, the idea that your car operates like a phone um, <laughs> is becoming like the, the gold expected. standard. Yeah, totally. expected, right? So like I- I've heard of people say like, it tells me to do maintenance and maintenance on my Tesla is like, oh, add window washing fluid. <laughs> and it's not like you don't have to do anything or worry about moving parts and things like that. So yeah, it's really, there's really no oil nice. change. Totally. Exactly. So while the cost up front might sound pretty high if you compare it to other vehicles in its same class like for example i had a bmw for a few years and it was a nightmare to drive because the maintenance was (laughs) and i got rid of it so uh, the maintenance was absurd but you know looking at a tesla um, because it seems easier to maintain over a long time you know that that makes me happy as a customer 
And I, I can't speak enough about the features. I mean, Mike already mentioned things like insane mode and ludicrous mode. We mentioned over the air updates. There are things like you can use your uh, car to play video games when you're parked. Like there's some crazy stuff that you can do it, do with a Tesla. I'm going to score this pretty high. I'm going to give it a 4.5. I think the only place that Tesla really needs improvement is I think right now it does really well in the metropolitan areas, but it still needs to expand to really compete with some of these larger automotive companies that have all the infrastructure, have all the dollars behind them and have the volume to be able to produce mass levels of EV. I think competition overall is good. It's going to drive the market forward. Um, I don't think Tesla is going to be the major player in terms of volume sales anytime soon, but they are moving in the right direction. And by creating not only just the vehicle, but everything around the vehicle, like imagine if you were uh, Ford or um, GM or whatever, and you own not only the car, but you also own the gas station. Like that's basically that's what Tesla is doing, right? By owning totally. a lot of these chargers, they don't own all of them, but you know, they're creating an infrastructure for them. So I think the strategy is sound. I think they're doing a really great job. I'm giving it a 4.5. Yeah, so I'm going to, you know, I usually don't do this, but I'm going to mimic you exactly, you know, four and a half stars for me out of this, you know, for all the reasons that you hit. Um, I think, you know, just taking a broader look at Tesla, you know, I'm super passionate about sustainability. So I get excited that, you know, Tesla's really brought clean technology to, to the forefront and the electrification of the electric grid is where I'm most excited from the power wall to the Tesla solar panels uh, and the solar roof rather. Um, all the way to the cars. I think there's just so much opportunity here to just start electrifying everything. And we touched on it with like the Tesla semis, but even just like Tesla's nod for pop culture and just what America is like <laughs> building it. I mean, seriously, like the, the Tesla Cybertruck is just like a utility truck. You know, it's like, it's boxy. You could bring that to a job site. Um, at least yeah. I think you could. Maybe you get <laughs> laughed at. But, you know, just going to the core of like who the customers are. And it's just constantly adding a ton of value at every single second. Like we talked about with the software updates or when the wildfires hit and extending the range. I just think it's, you know, really awesome what they're, what the work that they're doing and how they're constantly pushed for constant innovation. I would love to take a peek under the hood at Tesla and see what their product roadmap looks like and how they prioritize these features. I'm sure having a boss like Elon Musk is just like, don't prioritize them, you know, just build them all. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure there's a ton of pressure there, but yeah, really cool. And like really excited to see what the next, you know, five, 10, 15 years looks like and just how Tesla has been able to just shift the market to electrification is just wild. For sure. And yeah, super excited about this. So uh, those are our thoughts on Tesla and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So feel free to share with us what you think on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. You can find us at ProdX Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.